0: Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where we chat with startup founders just like you from all over the globe. Each episode, we bring you practical and actionable tips to help you escape the cubicle and begin your own startup journey. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin.
1: This is Kevin Pruitt with Rising Tide Startups, and my special guest today is Donna Griffith. Donna, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. It's great to be here,
0: Kevin. Thanks so much for having me.
1: We've had a, had a great pre-chat and uh, had some uh, common travel that we, we've had in our background and, and a really, really good chance to t- catch up. But Donna, if you and I met at a networking event, how would you introduce yourself to me?
0: Hi, I'm Donna and I'm a corporate storyteller and pitch alchemist. I have spent the last two decades making sure that people, organizations, and startups are not boring and achieve their business goals through delivering powerful messages. That is an elevator
1: pitch intro, if I have ever heard one. You you had that one prepared beforehand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Might have. I, I either confirm or deny, but I, I will tell you this. Um it changes all the time based on like kind of instinct, who I'm talking to, what I feel like saying that day. Playing around with it, keeping it interesting, which is like the first tip I can um, I can give to your listeners. It's it, always be ready to pitch yourself. And yeah. what I just gave is actually not even a elevator pitch. It's what I call a handshake pitch, or in the era of post COVID, the elbow bump mm, pitch, <laughs> or fist bump pitch. Exactly. Uh, I don't know what we're doing now. Uh, what's it, it's funny because it's like being back in person. There's like that awkward moment you see yep. someone do you shake hands? Do you hug? Do you? it's one of those like. <laughs> like meeting your ex or something. But, but yeah, so that's, that's my mini elevator pitch.
1: <laughs> so nobody wakes up and decides I'm going to be a corporate storyteller. I mm-hmm. mean, I, as I was preparing for this, I, there was a couple other interviews that I was, I watched that you had done and or listened to. And one question that, that came to mind that I wanted to ask you was, okay, can we go back to when you were like, 12 years old or 10 years old and can you tell me what play you were in in school that kind of piqued this this interest of of, in in the dramatic arts or was there something in your background that kind of you can look back kind of think you know what that was that really is kind of the my intro to this
0: absolutely um so there's been a few pivotal points in my life um, I didn't grow up thinking, oh, I want to be a storyteller. And probably if you'd asked me when I was my my daughter's ages, they're, they're nine and six, storytelling would have been somebody coming to school and reading a book to them, maybe wearing a costume. Exactly. I was Got I was a little <laughs> I was a little neighborhood meetup with some of the women of the, of our neighborhood. And when I said storyteller, this woman who's, she's she's in her like late 70s, she's like, oh, we used to have a storyteller. She'd come and gather all the kids into a yard and they'd all come and listen to stories. I'm like, yeah, if that happened today, that might be a bit disturbing for me. I don't know if they'd send their kids over to somebody appearing in their yard. But um, I realized it's called storytelling. I, I really I started calling myself that in 2008 when we had our last really big crisis that, that we're kind of in the throes yeah, of yeah. one now I don't know yet to say if it's quite as severe as as um the one back then we'll see yeah, I thought the beginning of yeah. COVID was kind of heading into one of those but I had been working with enterprise companies for a long time and this was on the heels of if you want the real backstory uh, I'd always been an actress I'd always loved working with people sometimes and me knew that um, being a, a starving artist was not the lifestyle I wanted to live. So I, I tried to find something that combined those two passions. Found out about drama therapy. It was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing! That's exactly it combines the best. And then. Got in to get my master's at NYU, and it moved to Manhattan, and then found out that the career opportunities were basically that of a starving artist. So I'm like, mm, okay, not didn't didn't leave the we acting. We gotta world. tweak something here, yeah. We gotta tweak something here. So one thing that I'm a firm believer in is ikigai, mm-hmm. which is the Japanese wow. uh, you know term for like your reason for being. So mm-hmm. finding something that you're good at, finding something that uh, you love doing finding something the world needs and something you can be paid for. If you've got all four of those, it's the perfect blend. I'm like, okay, I've got this talent for being up in front of people. I'm engaging. And and later in my career, I realized that I'm pretty good at making things up (laughs) on the fly, (laughs) which is a really huge part of storytelling. Um, And, and i never considered myself a writer. And here I am the author of a book that's coming out. Um, And, and and I'm like, okay, I love doing it. I love being with people. I love being up in, in front of people. What the world needs now is, well, even back in 2003, when I was having this conversation is, is okay, wh- what do I do with that? I didn't even need it, know the world's needs as much. But somebody mentioned to me, a lecturer at NYU said, oh, I have this friend that does group trainings and travels around the world and talks to corporations. And I'm like, Bingo. That's me. And I I got on it and I looked where I could study and lo and behold, NYU had a continuing education program for it. And with into those studies, I saw an ad on Craigslist looking for a corporate trainer in presentation and business writing skills. I'm like, well, I, I've not really done this yet, but hey, sent out my my resume was hired by an amazing company called Boyer Communications Group. And traveled the globe with them, teaching presentation skills and business writing in, in large enterprises. And then came 2008. So to circle back to that wow. moment of yeah. of storytelling, Not that's many when people
1: I... find their their career on Craigslist.
0: No, no. And that's, and, that's a unique
1: segue. You just kind of flew by you that. Know,
0: <laughs> it's amazing because first of all, Craigslist, I think is a treasure trove. Craig himself is an amazing person. He's a philanthropist. He, he does a lot. He supports women entrepreneurs. I didn't know this until I got involved with a great organization that that has pitch competitions for women founders. And it hasn't changed its look and feel, but there's there's gold to be found there. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this it survived for a long oh, time, yes. um, but I got lucky. I really got lucky, and and then when 2008 hit, it was like this, oh my God, what now? Companies stopped paying for travel, stopped paying for training that wasn't essential, and I kind of found myself at a crossroads, and that's when storytelling came into play. And that's when I was introduced to the wonderful world of startups. My first startup client was a cardiothoracic surgeon who needed uh, help with his public speaking. He was the head of a big, very um, uh, prestigious, Sort of combination of uh, cardio surgeons and uh, uh, cardiologists who apparently don't really like each other too (laughs) (laughs) much—the jets and the sharks. If you you uh, and and he had two medical devices that he had created, and he said, "Can you do? I have a pitch uh, event. I've been invited to pitch five minutes for each company. Can you help me with these?" And that was a pivotal moment.
1: Yeah, and
0: that was like when you take the leap of, I have no again. Well, I've never done this before, but a story is a story and boom. Well, and Richard Branson was,
1: says, learn how to do it, you know, say yes and figure
0: it out. Oh my gosh. I so agree <laughs> to that because I think women a lot of times and founders also in general make the mistake of hesitating and it's not like letter perfect. Yep. Can I really say that in my page, but we're not there yet. And that's where you need to really just believe in yourself. Take that leap. I don't mean lie. storytelling is not lying it's not embellishing the truth it's telling the truth in the most powerful powerful way possible and i mean media has been doing it for years they're the ultimate storytellers
1: they have to be and it had of course it's interesting you were you were i
0: heard you on another
1: another podcast talking about a story that you were that you were telling and you said you know i don't know if that was the exact details but it doesn't matter and that that phrase stuck out to me I mean what you just said a second ago you said you know it's not that we're lying you know storytelling's not lying but storytelling doesn't always let the facts get in the way of a good story that's what Mark Twain says never (laughs)
0: let the truth never let the truth get in the way of a good story that's one of my my favorite quotes but
1: Um, but it's, it's true and yeah and there is you know as you're, it's the, the details are not the important, it's the, it's the principles really behind the story. The essence, the essence. And
0: as long as you're not hurting anyone, as long as you're not lying about your numbers, your growth, your skills, um, think about it, you know, even stories that we've told our kids, or we've been told all the years, we don't know the exact facts. I, I, I tell stories to my daughters that I heard from my mother who heard from her grandmother. Yeah pass down. So I'm probably changing it, but we can take that to serve our purpose, Mm. to preserve our history, to pass on morals. It's funny, my nine-year-old was was telling me, and I'm learning a lot from her education experience. and, And she said that there's two kinds of myths. There's the creation myth and the morality myth. And when I thought about it, that's really what startups, the kind of storytelling that startups do. We're either talking about our creation of the product, of the market, of the need, or morality—like why this works, why we need this—and those are the stories that just work today as well. And Aesop's fables just told in the business yeah, world,
1: no doubt. There, and those are universal truths, and and you know that have just broad applicability. Here's a quick but word from our sponsor, PodBrand Media. As a business owner, new sales leads are essential. At PodBrand Media, we create a branded podcast for you to generate those leads by interviewing your best potential clients as subject matter experts. Not only creating great rapport, but also great content to share in your industry. Affordable and effective. Contact us today at podbrandmedia.com to learn more. It is interesting that that there are certain things, you know, when you look back about it, you know, products or services, there are certain things that... that You do not have to educate potential clients on its value, because it's really easy to to determine ROI. It's really easy to determine applicability. You know, yeah, do you need gas for your cars? Absolutely. Yeah, it's easy to sell that. Storytelling is a little more seemingly ethereal, and you gotta, you know, somehow you've got to convince me as the as a business owner that there is a there's a tangible, you know, benefit to this service is that what have you found is, and that's my assumption. So what have you found to be true when you're, when you're pitching your service, when you're, you're meeting with new clients, that type of thing, tell me how you kind of overcome that hurdle.
0: So for me, it's slightly different than it would be for, for a startup who's struggling with the same thing. So I can speak to both, but let's talk about like someone who would be your, your listener when, when trying to pitch your product, the biggest mistake that I find that founders or, or service providers make is being so in love with their um, product their solution their technology that that's all they want to talk about and it it reminds me of you know when when my first my first baby was born um, and somebody would say like oh show me some pictures and I just would go on and on and on and on and on missing the fact that like I could have shown three and that would have been enough And then you don't lose your audience. So you need to constantly be thinking about the other side. You don't want to bore them. You don't want to disinterest them. And people love talking about themselves. People love hearing about themselves. People love being understood and felt. And oh my gosh, they get me. So if you can show that you understand their need and you meet it in a way that is going to make their lives better, stronger, um, more efficient, uh, better quality, then then that you have undeniable value to them. Right. And that's where storytelling can be super valuable. And because storytelling is not just like, oh, let's tell stories around the campfire. It's part yep. of that. Yeah. Because people connect to stories, but storytelling has a structure, which I talk about a lot in the in the book. It's it's ancient. We're talking thousands and thousands of years old, going back to to ancient Greece and the Bible and any of these, you know, myth the cold places that we draw from history and religion and culture from passed down for years and years. But there's a very specific way that these stories were written just so that humans could take them in, understand them and, 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 and remember them. And there's chunks. So there's like a a investor pitch is a four act play as I laid out in the book. Mm. So you've got four acts, just like if you were going to a Broadway show that you would, um, bring about and talk about and kind of engage them, but there's a very specific order to it. And that's the scientific structure of a story. But the,
1: I'm I'm talking about specifically, like when you're pitching mm-hmm. the storytelling service to a mm-hmm. client, mm-hmm. what is the learning curve that they have to go through in their mind to see value in this? I mean, I General value. Absolutely. Yeah. We need to be able to tell our story better. I understand that, but specifically when you're talking about, you know, is this, is, are we, are we, is this a pitch, you know, ass, yes. are we assisting with a pitch? Are you tell, talking to me about potential customers about our product or service?
0: It could be either all or, or both it. all the above. Usually people come to me very frustrated because they've spent Dozens of hours working on some kind of presentation or pitch, whether it's sales to, 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 customers, whether it's ideation to get partners or whether it's to investors to fund them. And they've, they've really worked hard and they feel like they're running around in circles and it's just yeah, not working. That's
1: great, That's great. Yep.
0: And, and. They've spent all this time where obviously, as a as a CEO or as a founder, you have much better things to be doing with your time than creating churning out mediocre messages. And then they come to me, and in two hours, we've cracked their deck. It's completely fleshed out, completely scripted. And uh you've probably seen Kevin the, the hype around chat, chat GPT the past few weeks that's just suddenly AI is everywhere, and we have these AI chatbots creating dialogue, creating content, and people are mesmerized. Oh, sorry, I've been doing that for 20 years. I'm the chat. Ch- <laughs> Ch- right. So people feed me. I'm the, the
1: OG this. chat.
0: Jesus. I'm the OG. I'm the OA. So so it's like I, 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 they feed me the data and I output their story. That's That's what I was talking about, that third gift that I didn't realize even the world needed. I didn't know I had it in me. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a later in life discovery that I found. And I think part of that also is a skill that evolved over years. The more mileage you get on it, um yeah. so it's it's like they can walk weight in two hours mm-hmm. with the deck that gets them results. That is good value for money. So I mean, gotta know what questions to ask though. if you're only going to
1: spend two hours in a you're going you have to get in my head pretty mm-hmm. quickly. and not only my head, my heart,
0: yes, your head, heart, and gut. Mm-hmm. So I have a simultaneous dialogue between them and whoever their audience is, which usually most of the time is investors. Mm-hmm. I have them answer my, my outline, my cheat sheet for you know the deck where they right. kind of go through the steps of, of giving me the data that I need to input into the system. And the, it's built out of questions that investors ask the most common questions and I've just chunked those questions together. Now we might come up with more questions. And as I get into the session, new things will emerge, but they're bringing me the, the raw data. Mm-hmm. I'm cooking it for them into a delicious meal right in front of their eyes. And, you know, then let them taste this, need anything more. And then they can adjust, add some salt, add some pepper and we move on. So we're co-creating something that's it's theirs. It's just fed through my storytelling yeah. filter. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. It's their kitchen. The ingredients they're, they they're yeah, brought to the table, but yeah. You're just like yeah. A, yeah. I told them what
0: ingredients way. I need. They bring me their unique twist on that. Every yeah. company's going to have a different flavor. Every company's going to have a different texture. It's just about bringing to the table and, and telling your best story possible. Mm.
1: Have you uh, chase a little rabbit here? Have you taken any like self-assessment, like used any self-assessment tools like Myers-Briggs, like um Enneagram, like any of like disc, like any of the kind of assessment tools.
0: On myself?
1: Yeah. Have I don't think I've that?
0: ever done Myers Break. There's a great book called The Color Code, which it's like understanding different communication styles. They have mm-hmm. it kind of red, yellow, white, and uh blue. I'm definitely a red, which is the more you know, speakers direct to the point. Um and and that helps you kind of understand yourself in communicating with other people so blues are very detail oriented it's the people you talk to and you just want to shoot yourself because they're going into absolutely every detail a lot of times it's developers and and oh and it's just like and but you need to respect that whereas the whites are the peacemakers the yellows are the fun loving kind of along for the ride so that's probably the closest I've come to doing that. Why? I'm curious what triggered that question. No, I
1: mean, it's interesting because almost every one of them are, are in in some form like quadrant based, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're the top left, top right, bottom left or whatever. So it, it's just interesting because I think people that, that kind of tend to gravitate toward, you know, this skill set or, or have this skill set manifested in their, you know, in their, in their uh, journey, I think kind of, uh, tend to fall into similar categories. Yeah. and they tend to be very intuitive they tend to think on their feet very quickly um, they tend to be curious you know they engage people very easily um, i mean there's just a, a kind of a list of things you could say this is you've got to have this but you're also able to dissect and and really process information quickly like if you hear you can you could see somebody somebody could go on a whiteboard and write out their entire business idea and very quickly you could see the gaps you could see the places that that you know there's there's hiccups in the road yeah um you can analyze very quickly
0: yeah i can do that i am not you know a financial person and i'm not a a biz dev or business um i I mean these are all ideas yeah so but I can look Mm -hmm. at an overarch of a pitch of a plan of of how things are moving forward and say, tell people where yes, where no. And and sometimes it's speaking intuitively. I I worked with a, a VC that they're raising their third fund and, you know, some brilliant minds with huge crazy track records. And I'm sitting there, you know, giving them input into how they're going to present their deck and sometimes I look at myself and I'm like who the heck are you (laughs) to tell these people that are managing hundreds of millions of dollars and yet they're brilliant people and they're so into the story that sometimes they don't even realize for sure how connecting the dots in another way can be so much more brilliant in telling the world this story.
1: I mean, sometimes experts are the worst people in the world to explain the process mm, you know, it's so or, obvious or the problem for them. because they they have so much they don't even know what to dice you know what to what to leave out, you know yeah and yes,
0: you're, right, yes, you're absolutely right. dare you in details
1: awesome. i uh, I want to chase one other rabbit here because i this is I think this is so germane to who the audience is, and I think this comes up so often, is pricing. Now I'm not asking you to tell us the price of your service. I'm I'm asking you what was the process hmm. to determine because this is such a a unique, you know, proposition. It's not a it's not a widget. So you're not saying, okay, the widget cost me 50 cents. I'm gonna add 35% margin. I have this much in, you know, just fixed costs. So it has I have to sell it for a dollar, you know? So wow. how did you price yourself?
0: And, so and that's an did ass. you do it well early? So that's an excellent question. And I think for years I was underpricing myself and my husband kept, he's like, he's, he's, you know, one of my, uh, business, uh, drivers and he's like, you're not charging them." I'm like, yeah, but you know, uh, startups and, and, and then we, it always is best to work with someone who's objective from the outside. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's very simple. You look at your funnel. I had somebody that came in and looked at the funnel and he's like, you're closing way too many deals. He said, I want you to try and exercise. I want you to double your hourly rate. He's like, and that's going to be scary. And you're going to choke on that a few times. And I want you to double it and then see what happens. And it was astounding to see that my conversion did not fall. And I told you so, wow. maybe ever so slightly. Yep. He's like, I told you so, you should have been doing this years ago. And what's crazy is since... Then, which was probably about six, seven years ago, I've continuously raised my rates annually. The thing is, and this is for every consultant or business. Now, it it depends on your rarity and, Mm -hmm. and the value you're truly bringing. There's not a lot of people that can say that they do what I do. There's a lot of consultants out there. There's a lot of people that, you know, say they're storytellers. There's a lot of great storytellers out there. You find your unique value. I can deliver a fully scripted deck in two hours. That's not something, and, and pricing time is the most precious commodity, to startup. Yeah. Yeah. So you always can feel out and see if you're not closing enough deals, then maybe you've overpriced. If you're closing too many, maybe you've underpriced. But it's always, that's why, and I have a wonderful coach that I'm working with now um, on like pricing strategy and moving forward. And as I'm doing more keynotes for for the book coming up, so it's always good to work with someone. I'm a firm believer in outsourcing the things that you're not an expert at. I'm not an expert at pricing. I'm not an expert at, uh, you know, my finances. I have a bookkeeper. I have a a CPO. I mean, I'm very lucky to have people that know what they're doing where I don't. Mm. It's the same thing. I tell people, you know, why struggle with telling a story when it's not your core skill? Yeah. Come to me. I'll do your taxes, your word taxes. Right. And, and word, I
1: love that analogy. <laughs> I'll do your word taxes. Your
0: word taxes. Yeah. yeah. Now
1: everybody can understand that.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, I hate the minute tax season rolls around. I I go into you know conniptions of misery. And I, I since I have people that I trust, it's a lot less painful to look at you know April.
1: That is that is amazing. Tell tell me uh who is the maybe the most you don't have to name by name, but the the most unique client you've ever worked with.
0: Oh gosh, that's a tough one because I've had so many incredible stories. I mean, where do we go with unique? Uh I, I think my favorite types of clients to work with are those in life sciences and biomed, things that are mm-hmm. truly going to impact the human um the the human uh, na- the human existence wow. our bodies, our lives um so anyone so I, I work with an amazing company that uh, have created a medicine that, uh, a pill that will slow and possibly halt symptoms of ALS. Wow, and the inspiration behind it and the story of the person who was an iron man and then was diagnosed with ALS mm-hmm. and he then became someone who was looking for every possible technology that could stop that and, and create and they were inspired by him to create this. so to me those things with the stories that come with it or another client I worked with whose father was diagnosed with diabetes in his 50s and he went from being this thriving amazing athletic person to someone who couldn't get through the day without a nap. Yeah. And he went to all ends of the earth basically to find a solution. And then he scaled it and created something that, that helps people control their insulin levels. So, I mean, these are the things that inspire me. These are the things that I live for. I'm addicted to stories and what and I feel stories that, that
1: have it? a benefit story. I mean, just thought storing for the sake of storing.
0: Look, I think that any story can be told in a way that shows a benefit. And then it's going to be the judgment call of the investors to see, okay, so is the benefit more for the world, yeah. for my bank account, for whatever. And and either way, it's fine because venture yeah. capitalists are not philanthropists. They're yeah. there to make the returns.
1: Exactly. And
0: there's much more of a movement nowadays towards true impact where you can do the feel doing good and doing well, the double mm. bottom line. Right. And there's been a lot of talk about it for the last decade. I think only in the past couple of years have we really truly seen it happening. But you have to be able to show both. Yep. If you, and these things that that change the world can take a very long time. So so the this it's it's finding the balance. Just because you're doing something amazing and inspiring doesn't mean that you're going to get funded for it.
1: Yeah, and, and I think you know the those that are coming behind us are, you know, the Gen Z, the the alphas. They they're demanding that. They're mm. demanding that double bottom line. Yeah. You know, they yeah. they, they to need to see value. Better. Millennials
0: too. They they need sure. ethical sourcing, um, getting stopping with fast fashion. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a different set of values happening nowadays, and companies have to align themselves with that.
1: So as you have have journeyed and uh, you've been the CEO and founder of your own company, what are what are two or three just real takeaways that you you can look back and you think, man, if I knew these when I started, it would have made my life so much easier. But are you know somewhat generic and you know multi yeah. or broad application for people that are you know listening right now that are sitting in the cube going, you know what I've got an idea, I've got a thought, I want to do something what would be helpful to them from your, your standpoint?
0: Excellent question. I think we touched on um, a couple of it. So, so don't negotiate with yourself. That's my husband has said that to me many times and it's so true. Always, you know, you're, if you're bringing value to the world, people will pay for it and make sure that you're, you're, you're asking for enough and, and unapologetically because, you know, if I'm helping a company raise several million dollars and keep their company alive and keep their uh, employer employees employed that's massive value um another thing is um if you, the more you can work in the space of what you truly love doing mm-hmm. the, the more you'll move forward so all of the like i a few years ago i was like okay how can i scale myself it's very hard to teach somebody to do what I do because it's like this kind of internal makeup. So I'm like, okay, I, I don't think it's going to be training a bunch of people and having a bunch of employees. I don't want that. But what can I do to free up my time? Outsource absolutely everything you can that doesn't require your core skill well, and and talent. Yeah. So whether it's finding a virtual assistant, whether it's finding someone to do your books and your taxes, I and mean, whatever you're investing in them is. Ask yourself how much is your time worth, and how much would it, time would it take you to do it? Because it's hard for a small business owner, or for a startup, to, to think about. Uh, oh my gosh, how am I going to spend that? What are you? What is the price if you don't? Yeah. Is the question.
1: I mean, time is the your, your most valuable commodity, and so Absolutely. You're looking at Absolutely. Like Michael Gerber in the email talks about you know work on your business instead of mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. You know, don't be your own employee.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, I, am behind that 100%. Another important thing I've learned along the way, and I was very lucky to listen to this early on was don't listen to the voices. What do I mean by that? So uh, when I was first starting out pivoting from into working with startups back in 2008 and looking for my new audience, once enterprise was, was imploding and I noticed, and I went actually presented on this surgeon's behalf, at the, the conference, he was there with me, but I did the pitches. It, it doesn't usually happen, but he he was at high enough a level that it was accepted. And I saw the other companies there and it broke my heart because they just got shot down before they even had the opportunity to open their mouths. And I was like, okay, this is my new audience. Startups need me. And then come the voices. Oh, well, you know, startups aren't going to pay you. Oh, well, well yeah. Money. Startups don't really <laughs> believe in person. So those are the voices that I'm talking that people... Mm-hmm. Meaning well or not, but we know what the road to hell is paved with. and mm-hmm. And so if you truly believe in something and you truly see an opportunity, especially as an entrepreneur, don't let those voices deter unless you are hearing it again and again from your markets,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: and you're understanding don't ignore the voices of your users. That's important. But all of the well-meaning people around saying, oh, yeah, well, we don't really need that. I and that's an important thing. Know your competitive advantage if you're a startup. How are you different from others out there? Because, yeah, there might be a crowded market, but you don't want to directly compete, do one-to-one what someone's doing. You need an advantage. Right. doesn't mean you shouldn't start your company. You just need to know where your differentiation point is.
1: I've uh, I've done this this podcast for, we're in our fifth year. And it is amazing. I've talked to people from 30 different countries, more than 250, you know, startup entrepreneurs. And I think that's the first time that I've ever heard somebody really drill down on this kind of don't listen to the naysayers because you clarified that in such an interesting way. You said, listen to the right voices. You know, it's not all external voices are bad. Listen to your market. Listen to trusted advisors listen to mentors don't listen to the people that are that are just
0: and find your little team that's your your a team that those are the people you go to because if you listen like sometimes i'll have founders like at the end of every pitch session they'll go and they'll change their deck or they'll add in slides and they end up with this uh, i call it a patchwork pitch (laughs) it's bloated it's it's unrecognizable and you can't change just because someone said it you need to you know take their advice thank them listen you know this is something i truly agree with you can always add a slide in backup but just because so and so said it doesn't mean it's it's you know the word
1: hmm. what a way to wrap this up today donna thank you so much for for taking time that the, right here at the end of the week what a way to close out a good week and Um, I want you to tell people where they can find you online. Please talk about and just just really briefly about a you got a new book coming out. Uh, I want to make sure we're we're promoting that as well and just close us out today.
0: Absolutely. So first of all, my website is donna Griffith with a t two f's and one t dot com. I'm sure you'll have that in the show notes, notes. Uh, and you can find out more about myself, my services. Please do mention the rising tide. Uh, podcast and there will be a special discount for you so you came through Kevin right um and in terms of the book, it's called Sticking to My Story, The Alchemy of Storytelling for Startups. And it's been 20 years in the writing because it's just a collection of everything that I have learned in the past 20 years. And it's all laid out going back to the world of, of cooking. It's like my cookbook, of my master kitchen. And uh, it's really exciting to be able to release these recipes to the world and know that I can make an impact reaching founders all over. Um, And it's just chock full of helpful tips and fully laid out plan of creating your deck on your own with stories of clients I've worked with, what's worked, what hasn't, tips for getting meetings, tips for being ready to meet investors, for your presentation style. So, yeah, it's coming out late February and you can also sign up for updates on that.
1: Can, it, can they pre-order it on Amazon now?
0: It'll be available for pre-order. Um, the book itself on February 23rd. Okay. Uh, you can get All the right. Kindle uh, pre-ordered beforehand. All and right. it will be on Amazon, yes.
1: So launching in February.
0: Yes. All yes.
1: right. Well, Donna, thank you again for, for just taking the time. Thank Thanks you for Kevin. sharing stories in, our, in a, our 30-minute slot we had we had scheduled here what a way to to end the week and just thank you for playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide donna have a great weekend you too thank you
0: we hope you heard some great takeaways make sure you follow up with our guests today and show them the support they deserve as always thank you for listening and playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide